This morning's Dharma talk title is something I've talked about before and, and actually would come under the, a lot of different headings, but I'm calling it um, backfilling again, backfilling again. So you have to see the backfilling before the again doesn't keep happening. So this uh, could mean for you or possibly that you might have to bring your awareness towards uh, whatever is moving. And if you think that the uh, six sense fields, including the mind, are separate from each other, it's a misunderstanding. I'm not even say that, saying that they're connected particularly, but they're not separate. Backfilling, uh, a simple way of putting it is whatever is arising, whatever is going away, whatever is hanging around, those three, we don't like it. We want something else. So we might even backfill. It's kind of an active form of ignorance, like chattering to ourselves about it. Uh, Trunk Rinpoche called it subconscious gossip. And he hadn't even studied psychology, at least Western. So if you see this happening, if you see that something happens and you, you, you notice there's an automatic kind of response coming from somewhere, well, that's good. Not, that shouldn't be happening. Well, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Those kind of uh, auto-response characteristics that come up in language where we, we just it's just waiting in the wings for it to be called on stage or so you can say um, some kind of automatic response. Rather than actually looking at it, if something shows up, to use the five dharmas of the Lankavatara Sutra, something appears, we name it, and we make up stuff about it, or we think about it, and then the other two we can talk about later, which are Buddha knowledge and suchness. But those first two are very important. Something shows up and we name it immediately. It's not even we name it. It just It's like it comes up with a name. We don't notice the subtle differentiation between what is appearing and naming. This is the difference between uh, intellect and awareness. You can't separate them because they're not separate. You can't set, set, they're not two different things. They're the same thing acting in the service of different situations. Awareness has no uh, boss, but the ego mind may think it does. So if you've noticed this in your practice, sitting <coughs> facing the wall, are you all right? Mm -hmm. So you're sitting facing the wall, whatever's coming up, you, know, may, you may go this way or that way, you may pick and choose, you may shove something away. So it's always about awareness. It's not about correcting yourself. It's uh, difficult to, Understand, understand, especially the way some the way some teachers or teachings, some ways that the teaching is understood. It's just a misunderstanding, a pretty big one, that you have to control this situation. Uh, this is what controlling does to any situation. No more what? Shall I use the fancy Western word? Progress. We have some progress in this tradition, but it's not exactly getting better. It's not exactly not getting worse. It's not exactly anything. So it seems necessary to do it with the awareness and the way in which you can do that. If you're already a meditator, if you're spending a lot of time on the cushion, training your mind to what? See, see, in other words, training your mind to give everything your attention and whatever you're giving your attention to, to receive it. It could be a, a side ache. It could be the neighbors yelling next door. It could be your family yelling in the kitchen. So the way to a way that you could do that, uh, would be to would be to feel or see or understand or give your attention to the texture of that feeling, which probably will feel pretty crummy. 
It could be coming out of your own mind. It could be coming out of the environment. Give your attention to that. And then rather than go into some kind of backfilling, some kind of analysis that the ego self-centered mind feels like you're getting somewhere, at least some way to occupy your time. You can kind of, sometimes it's called worry. Sometimes it's called uh, fretting or elaborations or uh, the, the illusion is that you're getting, making progress just because you're worrying about it, just because you're thinking about it, just because you're, what's the other word, ruminating. Hmm, what should I do? What should I do? Just, just the statement, I've got to figure this out. You know, you just lock the door on your awareness. You just shut the door on it. You don't have to figure anything out. In fact, then in fiction, if you try to figure something out, you're going to go in circles. The very nature of figuring is circular. Calculate nothing. The greatest discoveries, and I'm not particularly a historian, but some of the greatest discoveries just came kicking the door in. They weren't because somebody was ruminating. It was because somebody looked over and saw the door being kicked in. Here comes the discovery. Quite often, great scientists, great well-known people, um, even great uh, performers or musicians or actors, you know, they, they don't they don't just decide to be a great musician, like decide to become president. Well, there's a few people that have, I guess. So one of the ways you can work with this, and I'm, I'm happy to uh, respond to questions about this, is to, there. besides the thought patterns that are rising and falling, arising and falling, going this way, going that way, and that because of the nature of thought, we're able to actually uh, work with it in a way that we can actually work on the thought. You can think about thoughts. It appears that way, doesn't it? It, thinks like, uh, it looks like you can think about your thoughts. Look closely, see if that's happening. So a way that you can strengthen the awareness, you could say it this way, just a way of talking about it, probably nothing strengthened at all. But a way that you can work with that that is more open, where there's less backfilling, where there's more openness, uh, is a couple things. Uh, one is the way you'll know you're doing this is you'll feel a little bit more unsure about everything, a little bit more apprehensive about everything, a little bit more frightened about everything. It's not about getting rid of fear. The conventional way of getting rid of any kind of difficulty is to what? Cover it up. Nobody wants to spend the time or the energy or the intention to go into the source of something. To go into the source of something in this practice is to see that there is no source, but you have to see it. If you, if you think there's a source, if you think there's something around the corner, you'll continue to spend lifetime after lifetime, day after day, month after month, year after year. There isn't anything else but this. You don't have to keep jumping to conclusions about otherness. There isn't. Everything is empty of other. There isn't any other. What you're seeing is just another aspect of your own dynamic, your own Buddha nature. This incredible situation, this incredible mandala that we, we arise in as consciousness. See that. And to go back to what I was originally starting out to say, the other five senses are ignored and they drain, the, they take away the awareness of those and suck up into the thinking process to protect the self-centeredness, the apparent me, me, me feeling that, that thinks that he, she, they can get somewhere or can protect something. So include sense of touch as you're ruminating. Include a sense of seeing colors, shapes, a very simple reception give everything your attention. Don't don't shut down the thought process and try to be a better person. In other words, like I talked about yesterday, don't improve. It's not that something won't improve uh, or, uh, through contrast, but if you work on improvement, you might as well be getting on a, a, a tilt-a-whirl or a merry-go-round. So you could actually do that. You could just 
not with some kind of uh, elaborate intention to uh, with some kind of intense motivation about it, but you could just just include, just make friends with your sense fields. Just you're sitting, something comes up that's uh, irregular or has a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sharp edges around the fringe. In other words, the memory of some difficult situation that's about to come up again. I'm just using that as an example. When that comes up, just relate to you. Don't just stay in your senses, but just flash on your senses, sense of touch, sense of color. If you if you if you if you flash on that, you'll immediately notice blue and uh, burgundy. You'll you'll just notice it immediately. You don't even have to look at it. You, if you go to that the receiving color, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the ochre color of the of the uh, scroll and the all multicolored tonka and so on. And the same thing with all, if you flash on just how this feels, immediately you notice this, this gra- such a thing as gravity, which we take for, for granted all the time. We don't really realize that the, you can't walk across the room without this incredible force that, what? what's the source of that? Can you explain gravity? You use it every day for your particular agenda of living, going to the, going to the parking lot. Don't forget gravity. Remember that. Remember that. Uh, I think uh, the Zen master lived into his uh, into his hundreds. Uh, uh, one book was published by him uh, called uh, "Buddha is the Center of Gravity." I think it was published in 1974. Remember his name? Joshu Sasaki. Joshu Sasaki Roshi. Yes, that's him. He was a uh, quite an interesting teacher. Also had very bad press. He apparently uh, didn't understand boundaries very well. <clears throat> So in order to work with that, that kind of uh, backfilling, in, in order to see the way we something arises, it could be uh, positive, negative, or neutral, but we do some kind of backfilling, some kind of, unless just in allowing, something arises using the, the five dharmas of, uh, of the Lanka. Something, something appears, and we, we instantly give it a name. We, we don't want to look at it for more than, an eighth of a second without knowing what it is. Oh my gosh, what if we didn't know what it was? So we name it. Well, that's, and, and we're in a society where everything, the medical, scientific, political, any of the other things, we, we immediately name because it gives us the feeling of, well, at least I know where I'm at and who I am. And you do relatively. It's a powerful, it's the way society works. It's the way cultures work. But if you're in this room, you at least have some kind of an interest in a, in a transcendent spiritual path. Not the mundane path is going to show up there, of course. There needs to be some of that. Sometimes uh, uh, spiritual path, uh, human beings get lost in that because they don't have the, the inspiration of uh, someone who knows how to teach this. When I say that, it's not about identity. We need to use it somewhat. We need naming. We need an understanding of what we just named, but when it when it turns, you could say when it turns dark, or when it when it when we don't want too much, we don't want to know too much about that. We tend to shut it down, and it may not. Uh, dark is just a metaphor for what we're doing. It's not actually dark, uh, not actually dark. It might look like a spotlight. You might have the feeling that you're really looking closely at something. Sometimes I have uh, talked about an alternating sense awareness practice. Um, going from one sense to the other, back and forth. And if you do that, you'd have to find your own rhythm. But if you do that, you'll notice not shutting out the thought patterns, but you notice that something happens 
the thought pattern because of the nature of consciousness. Um, uh, the hearing, receiving, sound, receiving sounds, receiving colors, receiving smells, taste, touch, and so on. They don't exactly think, but they also are not separate from that. So if you do anything in, in with the consciousness, just like the practice of uh, one of the practices of meditation is having your eyes closed. As soon as you close your eyes, all the other senses get the, the cue and they do the same thing. So it creates an artificial state of tranquility, peace, happiness. Great. Do that. Not wrong. It's just something you can do. But if you want to see what this is deeply, so when, when death comes without warning, you're ready. If you fear death, you're probably in a good room. This is a pretty good room to be in because I'm telling you, and don't believe a word I say, there isn't any death. That's an illusion. There isn't any death. How do I know? I don't know. If you don't understand that, drag it out of me. I mean it. There, there, there isn't. That's, a, that's an illusion. The very nature of an illusion is it just looks real. And the backfilling keeps, you know, 15, 20, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65. So I'm talking about years going by and going by. And then, then death comes without warning. And then you go back in the shuttle and you come back around and maybe you, uh, you show up in Andromeda. Or maybe you show up uh, on the dark side of the moon where all those beings are gathered. You didn't know about those? Yeah. They're waiting to take over the earth or something. There's nothing to take over. Nothing is threatened. Who actually are not threatened. I'm not saying there can't be some fear coming up, of course, but the fear is unreal as the same as your separate identity is unreal. The reason it's so difficult is it seems so real. If we're not having, if we're not having the emotion, then where what is the emotion? Where is it coming from? Backfilling, backfilling, backfilling. Don't look for sources. Look at whatever's in front of you, whatever's right in front of you. I don't care if it's a toothache, if it's a noisy neighbor, if it's a, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a up, down, back and forth. In other words, something very good and successful and happy or something really terrible and ugly and, and offensive or something neutral and beige. Beige supremacy. Yes. <laughs> or fundamentally not threatened. What is it that can get ensnared in that? apparent rebirth because a, a consciousness is so incredibly vast and powerful that when it gets uh, tricked by what who knows what kind of causes and conditions it gets it gets tricked into into uh into buying into some kind of separation it, it looks like this that's how it looks so you have to in order to do this to be very relevant you have to look at that you have to look at that fist that is is your uh, assumed self that you're protecting from everything. It's the assumption that things are separate. Just a way of talking about it. There's probably ways talking about it that are maybe much more clear. Is fear an aid to patience? Does it help us look at something instead of diving headlong into it? Yeah. I just uh, don't particularly get rid of the fear. Just use the fear. Anything that arises, uh, once you become a student of the Dharma, of the Buddha Dharma, or, or Buddha Dharma, awakened truth, once you become a student of that, um, it doesn't have to be Zen, it doesn't have to be me, it doesn't have to be the Dalai Lama. Uh, just, once you become a student of that, then everything that arises is a teaching, and everything is a, that arising is, is the face of the Buddha. The Buddha, when he awoke, and I was not there, but I was also not not there. And same for you. We're all, we're all this is... You know, it's a, it's not separate. 
So everywhere he looked, he saw the Buddha, because if awakening, if dependent origination is true, then he couldn't see anything else. There wasn't anything else. Everything was el empty of elseness. <laughs> More? Shoto. You're talking about the alternate, alternating sense awareness practice? Yes. Um, can the five traditional senses be in the service of ego? They can be hooked into it, but they need they need to have a boss, which is a thinking process. So the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the eight, in the Yogacara tradition, the seventh consciousness or the Kalisha mind uh, absconds with the the objects and uses those objects. You know, uh, vision. You look at someone's face. If you look at someone's face and they're frowning, if you can't just receive the frown, if you leave the frown for something about you. What have I done to offend them? If you leave the frown for uh, something else, they have a tummy ache. You know, if you if you abandon what's appearing for something else, go ahead. Could you say what the difference between the sixth and the seventh consciousness is? Hmm. Try to. And it's my understanding of it. It's not Bill Waldron or Dan Lusthaus or Vasubandhu. They would all probably give you a different description but my understanding of it is that the sixth consciousness is that aspect of the mind is quite impersonal and it's just kind of keeping track of the the centrality that we uh, eventually uh, sucks us up into an identity that needs uh, protection the basic centrality of it that is very uh it's not even objective it's just not objective not subjective it doesn't have any those those don't make any don't work so it's just that aspect of the mind that that brings together this what you're seeing and what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, and what you're thinking. What's coming out of the, the Aliya Vijnana and down through the, when I say down, it's just a way of talking about it. It comes through the uh, the back door of the seventh consciousness, which is a way of keeping track of that and making all that operate so that what you smell uh, isn't what somebody else is smelling. It's what you smell. Is that helpful? I bet it isn't. <laughs> Go ahead. Have some confusion around mm -hmm. where the difference between something being received and something being produced. Um, well said. What's the question? Is there a difference between those two things? Yes and no. There is. If you, there's a difference, if you can see the difference, but the, the very seeing of the difference shows how they're not separate. That's why it's so difficult. That's why it's so challenging to the ego mind, the self-centered mind, to transcend this world. Because we'll all settle for some kind of something that looks like transcendence. Something that our friends will say, yeah, you're transcended. Or, yeah, there's all kinds of versions of it. We'll settle. If you're not willing to lose, you're not going to awaken. You have to lose from the point of view. You have to lose. You know what I'm saying? You have to lose. It isn't actually a loss because there isn't anything to lose. You can't lose. You can't lose this. As is said in other traditions, there's really nothing. There's nothing that... Nothing threatened. There's nothing to be afraid of. But we don't get that by shutting down fear, going to war with fear, pushing on fear. So more about the sixth and seventh. Susan. When you awaken, does that centrality disappear? Both. It, it 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 comes and goes. But but there's no but there's no uh, there's no there's no success if it comes, and there's no defeat if it goes, and there's no success if it goes, and there's no defeat if it arises. Those polarities are pretty much. I don't know, how can I say it? succinctly shot in the ass how's that done for it's done the polarity is gone and still you have pain and still you have joy and still you have still you have still everything is totally yours from now on there isn't any now on 
just a way of talking about it. You just are no longer confused about anything. Even confusion is not confusing because you're no longer at war with anything. So if you're confused, you don't immediately think, hmm, my meditation is not working. You don't, you don't, you don't backfill anything that occurs. Don't backfill anything. A willingness to be without reference points, to be without knowledge, to be without understanding, and to be lost in the in the wilderness of your consciousness until it's no longer your consciousness. It's just perception only. Belongs to no one. This is sometimes pointed to and referred to as Buddha nature. Just really hard to explain that. I mean, to point to it directly. Although teachers try to do that, I try to do that. I haven't found anything. That's what I'm pointing at. Questions are helpful. Robert. Um, is what you just said about perceptions that they don't belong to anybody. Is that true of thoughts as well? Uh, another way it's been said is there's no thinker. There's no actual identity. The thoughts are just coming and going. They're just, they're just all over the place. I mean, they, you, you know, you, you think you're safe now because you're in a body, you know, <laughs> this is your preparation for death. I'm not being nihilistic. I'm just saying this isn't going to last very much longer. Relatively, relatively, Relativity? No, relativity. <laughs> relativity. Yeah, we'll settle on that. So it's not going it, to, it, at some point, that which has congealed into a self with a body and with a heartbeat and with a, uh, a talent for uh, um, playing the violin or uh, any other thing you were kind of born with or, or maybe a, a defect, what we would call a defect or something uh, wrong or out of balance, anything. Uh, from the point of view of, of subjectivity, you got it coming. From the point of objectivity, there isn't any. There isn't anyone. There's no objective person anywhere that is that is happening to. If you think that you are being put upon by your world, by your karma, by your neighbors, by your your the laws, by the world itself, this world is all about right and wrong, sacred and profane. I'm not saying it's not relatively true. Of course, it's relatively true, and we should respect that. But at the same time, transcendence doesn't abandon that. It doesn't agree with that. It doesn't shut down. It does nothing with it because it's not separate from it. But until you see it, then you, me, us will be stuck on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death. So when the body, when this consciousness, the body mind drops, goes back into the into the earth, into water, into fire, into air, into space, uh, the consciousness there's no way to know what's going to happen. It, it, it might go with it. Good. Or it might move off to the side. It might go and uh, sit in a graveyard for 500 years, sit on a tombstone, or appear to do that and appear to someone who has uh, the ability to actually receive that appearance. Because it can, if it's there and there's nobody to uh, appear, it, uh, 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 appear it, no, uh, receive it, receive the appearance, then it's like, uh, it goes back to, it kind of validates the tree falling in the woods with nobody to hear it. Nah, don't go there. That's that's kind of a dumb way of talking about anything. Go ahead. Could you say how this body is preparation for death? If, if you're looking at finding out who you are, if you're looking at finding out what this is, looking at all the sense fields, what's receiving, 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 then when the body-mind does drop the identity is not with the body. You're not. You don't feel like you're the person who's going back. You're some kind of a person who is a body-mind complex. It's one thing is going back into the dirt or into the fire. So you're preparing by seeing the difference between uh, 
consciousness and or perception, consciousness and and uh, the body mind complex, the the the, the uh, relative uh, aspects of our situation in this particular very slow moving realm. If you're in a higher higher uh, realm to talk about it that way. The this it looks like there's a past and a future, and in a higher realm there's no path. Like in a dream, that's a good example. If you're in a dream, you notice that really isn't a past and a future there. And it looks like things are going ahead, but not really. Nothing ever gets anywhere. And nothing is solid. They're, you know, they're dream muffins that you're eating. And they have a really dream taste. And dream oxalates. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help that. I'm trying to stay away from that. So, um, you know, try to, try to, uh, try, 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 try to see the way things are moving in your particular mind and notice, the, notice, if you could just notice the subtlety of it rather than doing anything about it. Before, if you're feeling negativity rather than pushing on it or pulling on it, aggression and passion or shutting down or distracting yourself, either, 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 either artificially or chemically, turning away, turning away, turning away, go in, let it take you out. I'm not saying kill yourself. I'm saying go in and feel the texture of that junk. Feel feel the texture of it. Might not be very comfortable. Choo-choo. Shane, who says he's from everywhere and nowhere, but I think might be in California at the moment, asks, <laughs> <laughs> karma seems to push or pull one in all directions from a relative experience. Where does the illusion of direction arise? It's just something we invent. We just if there's any kind of movement, then we invent the direction. In a dream, you go back to that same image. There, there, there's a sense of movement, but there isn't any particular direction. I mean, sure, you could go back and say, "Well, I dreamt that I walk into a, an office building, and there was uh, behind all the typewriters there were baboons, monkeys, all trying to type. What was that thing they're supposed to type after?" 50 billion years, they would eventually type the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> Wasn't it something like that? Huh? A sonnet. A sonnet. That's right. A little easier. Or maybe not. All sonnet. the great books. Huh? All the great books. Yes, all the great books. Donovan. If, as you say, when there is movement, we invent the direction, do we not also invent the movement? Don't get smart with me. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We invent everything. Everything is an invention. Any kind of movement. Fundamentally, as His Holiness the 16th Karmapa said on his deathbed in 1981, nothing happens. I mean, he was, he was extremely generous to leave us with such a profound statement that his, his students could contemplate. If you think something occurs, you think there's actually something happening, then you're tied into the karma of uh, cause and effect. You're at the mercy of that. That being said, there's no way you can save beings unless you're unless you're in that karma. You can't do it from your high perch on the nothing happens platform. So you have to be you have to go into the world and function. This does not mean you have to join Buddhists without borders or something like that. It just means that you meet you meet your karma right in front of you. It's in front of you all the time. And if you think it's a choice, you're blocking it out. Not a choice. Everything you do is choiceless. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. It's totally choiceless. A question from Thomas from Germany. He asks, um, I heard you say that rather than following a thought or a sensation, we should try to see the space in which it occurred. What is this space? Thank you. 
fundamentally it's not separate from what's occurring, but it needs to be seen that way. This is the practice part of it. Fundamentally space, uh, phenomena and space are not two different things, but we have to start somewhere. So we start with, because we have such a strong attachment and love and grasping and lust for something. We want that, but we don't want that. Wait, I think I might want that, but not that. So it's, it's, uh, it's looking at that without pushing, pulling, about no, no math at all. Just watch the phenomena. Impermanence, impermanence, impermanence. Nothing lasts. All compounded things will vanish, as it said by the Buddha. And But in order to see that, you have to look at what it is. And when you look at what it is, it holds still a little bit, and then you see it start to come apart because it's compounded. And when it comes apart, that's when you start to understand more deeply what the nature of space is. You're actually looking at space as it manifests as form. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Same is true of feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, traditional teaching, going back to uh, the Prajnaparamita literature. When I can see that my mind is pretty rapidly cycling through passion, aggression, and ignorance, um, and I'm endeavoring to just watch that, it still feels like it's being fueled. What, where is that fuel coming from? Doesn't matter where it's coming from. Don't worry about sources. Worry about what's showing up. I'm not saying that the awareness that's that's looking at what's showing up might not spontaneously take you into a source so or something that appears to be a source. It might be just a charade. The, self, the ego mind is so incredibly good at keeping from being, keeping uh, any insight, prajna, from seeing that it is unreal. It will protect itself, protect itself. And there's, it has so many ways of doing that. And one of the main ones is fear. It throws up fear. And if, you, if, you, if you're always, when fear comes up, if you do anything with it other than just receive it, then you're going to continue to spin. Not, a, not, a, not condemning anybody to anything. But I'm sitting on the time and you're listening to me. So I have to tell you that. So you're doing it correctly. You're just, if I were to use a, another image, I'm talking to somebody, you're on the side of a mountain, you're going to use a, a common metaphor, you're climbing a mountain towards awakening, and you're just at a particular place on the path where that's how it looks. I would say, yes, yes, that's exactly how it's done. Just keep doing it. Keep looking at the path, keep looking at the sinkholes, keep, keep getting hit in the face by branches, keep having your eyes pecked out by crows. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's what happened to me. There's only one crow. <laughs> they pecked out my third eye. Yes. Can we actually just witness that cycle if there's a subtle um, desire for that to not that's, go away? That's why it's so hard is because you think the desire has to go away. And it's not accusing you of anything, but it's that we think that things need to be different, but no, everything, it's one package, so to speak. So just whatever's happening, just just the desire to want it to go away is part of what you, you observe that too. Just receive, just receive that. Less production, more reception. The feeling that ego or self-centered mind of the, the seventh consciousness will start to have is this is not good. This is not good. We're getting too close to the closet where I'm storing all of my uh, Halloween costumes, getting too close to my, my, my hideout. Ego does not, does not want to be disturbed. It wants to continue to go on and be somebody more. So um, back to the five dharmas, the first three, um, 
you were saying something arises and then we name it and then it's it seems like it's almost simultaneous and then is is the projection onto that um a, a habitual pattern you mean after the naming yes quite often it's habitual patterns yes it's just a neat the whole knee jerk you know reaction to it we were so and that's why the sitting practice of meditation if it's done enough has to have to do a lot of it it, it can't be uh, when i say it can't be i don't know maybe it can be maybe you can see this without any meditation i don't think so but i don't know a lot of things happen on the dark side of the moon so watching that just watching that happen less meddling uh, which means uh, the subtle kind of meddling is the backfilling part where we something happens and instead of just looking at it and having a, 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 a um, an attitude of, I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't even say I don't know, but just not knowing, not just because you can jump away from it into some kind of thought pattern because you're so damn smart. Don't do it. Give it a chance to just be what it is uh, in that open dimension where there's no... Or even the name is, it doesn't, it's like having post-it notes where all the stick them fell off. You still have the post-it note, but it won't stick to it because your awareness about or with, not even about, but your awareness is looking at that so closely that, and it, it might even be threatening. It might be the ego mind wants to know, wants to have protection, wants to, well, at least I know what's happening. No, you don't. You know what you think is happening. It's just like when we look at someone's face instead of receiving. If you receive, you look at someone's face and you receive what is there, you won't know who they are. Even if it's your mother, even if it's your son, your your teacher, your next door neighbor. If you think you know what you're looking at, delusion. Because if you see what you're looking at, you say you're not separate from every from anything. You see, you see your own face before your parents' birth in everything, everywhere, just to use the traditional image. You always see yourself. How do I know? How do I know? I don't know. I don't. I don't have knowledge about it. Nor do I claim to have wisdom about it. I don't really make any claims, except well, that one claim. I kind of make that. I get to be the abbot for a while. Who made me the abbot? I made me the abbot. And I may make you an abbot, or not. I may make somebody an abbot that I've never met yet. I may die tomorrow, and then you just have to figure it out yourself. I'll get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to take over. <laughs> Finally, we get, we'll be able to return to noble silence, functional speech, get this place underway, and stop all the whatever that was that was happening. Further questions? We have a few minutes left. I really like questions, so you, you can't... Uh, you can ask me questions I can might not be able to answer, but I really like them. Helps me know uh, what's going on. Yes, Kyun. What are we filling with the backfill? Just thoughts and ideas. We're just putting stuff in the way so we don't so we don't feel quite so threatened by the fundamental truth that we may not exist. There may be no being that exists until you see that that's when you see that that's true. Then 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 it's nothing is threatened. Then then there's nothing to. And it's it's a relief in the tradition. It's sometimes called freedom because you're free from all that. You don't have to worry about anything anymore at all. This doesn't mean you're not concerned with having a migraine, but but the the fear if there's any trepidation about anything is just of a relative situation. You know, I don't want to 
you know, get hit by a car, don't want to do anything that's particular. So there's still that, just a relative situation, but it's not blown out of sight with some kind of paranoia about whatever it may be, depression or fear more. Is it is saying that it's not producing or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's receiving. You don't have to stop producing so much as if you begin to receive, then less, less uh, energy from the awareness, to, which is awareness is about receiving, thinking is about producing. And they're not separate from each other. They're, they're two aspects of the same thing, just like life and death, like any polarity. Can't have one without the other, I think. I don't know. What do you think, Danny? <laughs> Yoshida, do you have any questions? How does uh, insight equate with thoughts? Yeah, uh, thoughts are, are, are filling. Uh, it's not that thoughts can't help us figure out how to build a, uh, a tool barn or how to, or in a fancy, uh, more, uh, more elevated way, figure out the, the, the way thoughts are working, the way psychology works. Even Buddhist psychology is full of all kinds of thoughts and ideas and concepts about, about the very nature of mind and all of that. But insight, uh, if I, and I don't often use that word, but if I was going to use that wisdom mind or prajna, use the Sanskrit, it's just about receiving the truth. And so, and thought, uh, thinking or thoughts are about producing things, producing thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. Thinking about this, thinking about that. Saying, well, I got to think about that. Well, let me figure this out. And then we we actually get swamped sometimes by our thoughts. Are just so you, you can't stop thoughts because uh, the reason you can't they don't belong to you. If they, if they were your property, you could just eh, it probably wouldn't make that sound. It'd probably be like like that. But you can't, you can't, that, if you try to stop your thoughts, I'm sure you've noticed that that's what, quite often what brings people to meditation is they get so haunted by their own crazy elaborations on everything, this and that and this and that. It's just, so we bring ourselves down, sit down, hold still, and we, what do we do? We look at the thinker or look at the thoughts, watch the thoughts. I'm not trying to get anybody to get better. Don't improve. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is, is if, if I can uh, help you see your Buddha nature, see your true nature, that's what I would like to help you with. And you can practice this without even being a Buddhist, um, but you'd still be practicing uh, awakened truth, awakened truth, which is a big lie. It would have to be or it couldn't be true. Don't scratch your head. I might think you're asking a question. <laughs> Choo-choo. Cedar from Madison has a question. In an analytical world, what is the best way to prevent analyzing everything? Just watch the analysis and don't add to it. I shouldn't be analyzing or uh, it's okay to analyze here or just just watch the an analysis. Just just observe it, whether it's happening out, outside or it's happening and you don't try to don't interfere. Don't meddle with your mind. Quite often meddling is uh, about trying to change something so you're a little better off. So you're like an used to be an analyzer, but done with that now. Never analyze anything. More? That, that entire question? Yeah. Meditate a lot. Sit a lot. Block sit. Do four-hour periods of where you're not doing anything but watching your analysis. Four hours of watching your analysis is pretty damn boring. And so you actually, you discover, you may, may not, maybe something else, you may discover you're actually entertained by the analysis. So you're weaning yourself away from the entertainment that is showing up as analysis. People promote their self-centeredness by analyzing 
And by thinking and overthinking and underthinking, that it keeps it protects the self-centeredness. To see who this is can be extremely painful. I'm warning you. So if you don't want this, go do something else. But if you want this, then come this way and I'll poke your eyes out. Yes. You have a question? I don't, but Mayun does. Mayun. From France. She says and asks. I didn't think that would come up. See, I can speak French once in a while. You use the word transcendence. What is your definition of it? Thank you. It's a it's a relative word that that to actually uh, it's a going beyond word to transcend the relative grip of belief and opinion and idea and uh, incredible weight and 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 uh, um, um, just just the, the gravitas of being a living being eyes ears nose tongue body mind receiving receiving all of this is coming and say you're here you're here you're receiving you're you're real you're somebody and so to transcend that is to actually see beyond it without leaving it you know the body doesn't vanish it becomes more real more intense because then you're no longer relating to your sense fields uh, your idea about the sense fields then you actually smell you actually taste you actually suffer you actually have feelings that don't have any, any interlocutor in between them so you actually realize that you that the consciousness has been downloaded into a very low uh, vibration world that seems that's totally uh, i think even science will look at that and say it's mostly space well, why does the space stop me? Why can't I put my hands through it? Well, go to sleep, have a dream, and you'll be able to put your hand right through that. So transcending is to see that you're that the the limitations that you put upon yourself by by using uh, um, you know these solid kind of things are light, dark, uh, taste, smell, even thought patterns are building up some kind of a me feeling or an identity transcendence uh, it's very simply you just see beyond that and it's not actually about beyond because if it were beyond then we're back right, right back to another kind of relativity actually it's it's this that's empty of an other so it's, it's quite astonishing or maybe it's not maybe it's just transcendent good question she already knows this she's asking me that question so that i can help you guys <laughs> Further questions? I think it's a good time to close. Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our chant books. We'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. Also, we receive donations online through PayPal, checks in the mail, cash. We rely on and deeply appreciate your financial statements. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, the ten directions, the three times please hear us. Please come down onto the light, the text of the Bodhisattvas, Sangha, and the